0: Bye. <music> Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for the kind words, Anna. Um, thank you also to Wes and Jonathan and the eldership for inviting me to spend some time with you tonight, and um, and study God's word. Amen. Are you excited about God's word? I love God's word. I'm passionate about, about His word. I um, I love. I'm still old-fashioned. Those of you to you bring your Bible to church. Some of you that still read your Bible from a good old-fashioned highlighter. Someone with a highlighter here? Yeah? Okay. Not, Anymore, okay. Um, yeah, welcome to you also from my side. I'm from our Linwood congregation, which is just a few blocks down the road on Linwood. Um, we are in the, in the Linwood Law School. And, uh, and it's a privilege to really share with you the, the word tonight. Um, I've been part of this family for the last 12 years and uh, pastoring for the last eight And um, we've got two boys, Um, maybe you've seen them, two little ones, I think they're the only children here tonight, uh, because my wife decided, I'm going to come and visit. (laughs) So, and that's my queen, you know, Michelle, we've been visiting for 10, oh, we've been married visiting. Okay, there, the ice is broken, that's the first mistake, okay, there we go. 10 years, guys, we've been married. Thank you, thank you. It's it's actually it's actually she, and um, so that's that's my family. That's uh, I love them to bits. Um, Sammy, I'll tell you a little bit a short testimony about Sammy. That's our smallest one. A little bit later, uh, so get your tissues. <laughs> I'm joking. What a privilege! What a ride so far, and um, and I'm just uh, you know this. I'm always I love spending time with you guys with this. I've preached here once or twice, and it's great to be with you. I want to share with you um, shortly, uh, quickly, a little secret about myself, um, but let's try and keep it here. Um, It's really hidden. Um, I have a, a, a hidden, really a hidden interest of the English royal family. Okay, you see there. There goes the judgment. Some of you are not even judging me or condemning me. Some of you may be asking who is the English royal family. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm following Megan and Harry. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I like. The traditions and the cultures. I've, I'm a, I, I love reading about the history of the English royal family and actually just royal, royalty, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. I don't know who watched the, the, the funeral, the royal funeral last year, anyone? Oh, yes, there is some of you. <laughs> uh, there they are now. Okay, I watched the whole thing from the morning. <laughs> Tears was flowing, popcorn was out. <laughs> when she, When she went down into the church, I was like, "No!" <laughs> and then Michelle walked into the room she 's like, "What are you doing?", <laughs> oh, that was funny okay That was really funny, but not so long ago, I actually watched a, a documentary on Netflix about the the time when the 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 Tudor, the house of Tudor ruled the, the English throne. And, um, and that was Henry VIII, oh, Henry Seven, VII, and then King Henry the VIII. And so King Henry VIII was quite an interesting um, king. Like he was very dramatic and animated and he was the one who had six wives. So he was the first English king who rebelled against the, the, the Roman Catholic Church, eventually starting the Church of England and uh, that's a whole other different story. But he was just this, one, this king who abused his authority. He, he went into ec- excessive expenditure. Um, he lived in wealth. Like if you look at his, his clothes and, his, and, his, and the robes and the food that they ate and, and the, the castles and the lands that they possess. It was just really abusive for that time. And he was just this... This king that just changed almost royalty with the way that he thought about titles. He, he forced them to, to use certain titles to him, for him as, as king. And so really this picture of splendor and, and power, you know, influence royalty. Royalty that we almost still today in our minds, we have this, this picture of royalty. The, the, the red carpets, the trumpets. The king, right? And so we'll get back to this a little bit later. But my, the topic that I, that, of the message that I would like to share with you tonight is the unexpected king. The unexpected king. And in Mark 1, we read about a much different king than King Henry VIII. We read about the unexpected king. The one that really was counterculture. So that we can even to this day live a, con- a countercultural life. And so you're welcome to open up in Mark 1. Um, if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 1. We're going to read from, from verse 1. Uh, you can follow on the screen as well. And it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And we'll skip to verse 6. Now John, this John, was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, and ate locusts and wild honey. Verse 7, And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and and was baptized by John in the Jordan. So in this river. And when he came up out of the water, he immediately saw the heavens being torn open. And the Spirit is sending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Verse 12. The Spirit immediately drove Him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. And he was saying, the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Up to there. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that to this day, it is, the tra- it is a transformation book, Lord, that, that, that transforms our lives. And we're so thankful for your word. Thank you that we can read it, learn from it, and that we can change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now this story, this this book of Mark, um, is really the the gospel. Um, it's the short version of Jesus' story. So it's if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, this one is the the condensed one. It's the quick one. Because. It was, it was not written for the Jews, it was written for an audience that was non-Jewish, it was Gentiles, it was people who did not know about Jesus, like many, maybe you, one day when you didn't know about Jesus, and then you heard about Jesus, and now you know about him, and so the audience that did not know Jesus, that was who Mark was writing to, it was actually Romans. Romans. And so he could leave out all the fluff, all the, 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 the law and the prophets and the genealogies and all of that. He just gave them a pure download of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Quick. Like this, this book, this, this, Mark, this book of Mark, like the whole Bible has got the word immediately, I think, more than 70 times. Half of that is in the book of Mark like immediately Jesus got up and immediately went to eat and immediately like you can go and read all the immediatelys and so it's just this fast paced story about Jesus to people who wanted to know the good news about Jesus all right so it's good to just keep this in mark in mind and so mark makes this big statement right from the beginning then start with all the the forefathers and, uh, and the stuff, and the dad he makes this statement. And he's saying the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so, for a moment, I want you to close your eyes and just detach yourself from, from any moment of religion that you heard about Jesus, any Sunday school animation that you were taught that he's this this storybook guy or a movie that depicted Jesus in a wrong way, just detach yourself for a moment from all of that and listen to these words. Jesus, the son of God, the king of the world. Not England, not Spain, the King of the world. You're welcome to open up your eyes. The very first thing Mark wanted us to know was the good news of Jesus. That is, that is what a gospel is. A gospel is good news, and, and it's, the, it's the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, the Son of God, the King. And so, for you and for me to understand just how countercultural Jesus was and how countercultural he lived, this is what is important. It is important for us to understand just how unexpected he was. How unexpected they did not expect Jesus in the way that he came. And so these first 15 verses of Mark 1 highlights Jesus' unexpected preparation. It highlights his unexpected coronation. And it highlights his unexpected justification. Well, big words. Could you not have chosen easier words? No, this is important for us as as believers to understand, to to form a theological understanding, a God understanding of how to live counter-cultural. We have to start with Jesus. Because if he's not our example, we won't be able to do it. Are you with me? And so let's look at an unexpected preparation. And so, that's why I started with the story of the kings and that in ancient times, when a king would go and visit a town, go and go on, his, on certain visits, you know, how it would work is they would go, people in, in front of him to prepare the way. And they would prepare the way in two, two separate ways. First of all, they would prepare the way physically, make sure that there's no potholes and and trees lying in, in, over the road and all sorts of things. They, they would physically fix the road so that the, the king can come as easy and as comfortable as possible. And secondly, they would send heralds into the town proclaiming with trumpet sounds, almost like these little guys with their trumpets and the little flag that's hanging here, making a little bridge. You remember that? And then blowing, and it's the heralding, their messengers saying, the king is coming. And so let's look at verse 2 and 3 of this first chapter of Mark. It says, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare the way. For who? For the king the voice of one crying, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So we know the messenger is coming. And so it's important also to understand that from the Old Testament, the last book in the Old Testament, which is Malachi, to the very first book in the New Testament, which is Matthew, the time span between, physical time span between these two books, it was 400 years. And in that time, God was silent. There was no prophet. There was no word from God. There was no direction. God was silent. And so the people of God, the Jews, the Israelites, they held on to the prophecies of old because God was silent. He didn't speak. And so There are two very important, there are many Old Testament prophecies about the messenger, but listen to these two. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, A voice cries, prepare the way of the Lord. So they know a messenger is going to come to prepare the way. A herald is coming to prepare the way for the king. Malachi 3 verse 1, a messenger to prepare the way. So can you imagine what they were waiting for? I mean, 400 years, guys. They were waiting for a, 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 a red carpet. They were waiting for trumpets. Like, I mean, they were waiting for, for the royal god that was going to come out. And, and I mean, they were waiting for, 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 for royalty to come in, and it was going to be horses and trumpets. And red and carpets, that, that's what I think they were, they were waiting for in their minds. They were waiting for royalty because remember they've got King, King, King David and King Solomon and the glory and the splendor of the, of, the, of the kingdom in their minds. But this is what they got. John. <laughs> John, guys. Clothed with camel's here. And he wore a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. I mean, 400 years. And here comes this guy and and he's proclaiming. He's saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I. Can you imagine like, what are you doing? 400 years locusts, grass, anyone had a grasshopper for breakfast? No. But John was Jesus' forerunner. John was the messenger. John was the one that came to prepare the way. John was the one that God sent. You're like four hundred years, God. I'm um, God, and you say, John, why? They did not recognize him. In the expectations, they did not recognize John. They killed him. you like, God, why? This is not what we expected, but it had to be John. It had to be John. God needed that moment to be relatable for who? For us. For us to this day. Because the preparation of the king wasn't only for that moment. That moment was supposed to be generational. That moment was supposed to be eternal, timeless. For you and for me to relate. Why? So that we can still to this day herald the coming of the king to people. There's people that needs Jesus. And God is using you and me As messengers to proclaim there's a king. And when he steps into the situation, everything changes. Do you remember who was that messenger for you? For me, it was my mother. She kept on pointing me to Jesus, she kept on heralding the coming of the king, she kept on pointing me to the Bible. Pointing me to Jesus. And from that day when I made a decision when I was 10 years old, my whole life changed. Why? Because I'm serving the king. I have a purpose. I know where I'm going. I know what God's calling on my life is. But someone took the time to point me to Jesus. To prepare the way for God to come and do the work. Do you remember who that was for you? God is calling us to be messengers, you and me, to relate with that moment, to be able to relate with John, that to this day we wear leather belts. Some of you that ate honey this morning? You can relate, friends, maybe not grasshoppers. but at least we can relate. Last week, after the service um, at our Linwood congregation, I prayed with a friend. Well, not a friend, a person. He walked up. He was new. And uh, his marriage is broken, like, completely. And it always breaks my heart because marriage is so close to my heart. Completely broken. Four years' marriage. we prayed together, and I just comforted him, and we prayed together, and we trusted Jesus. I heralded King Jesus that when he walks into that marriage, there's hope, and this morning, they were in in this church together, him and his wife. Come on, can we give God a glory? Prepare the way for the king. Because when he steps into the place, everything changes. An unexpected preparation for us to relate. The second one is an unexpected coronation. Maybe you're not sure what the word means. But it's the act or the ceremony of crowning a king or a queen. It's the ceremony of of crowning. And so... We've never seen a coronation actually in our lifetime because Queen Elizabeth was like, <laughs> she, was, she lived so long. Um, but King Charles III, huh? he will be crowned very soon. And so we'll all be able to see and to view a coronation in May month, okay? So there you go. You'll see the splendor. You'll see the crown. You'll see the orb and the scepter. You'll see everything you'll see it you'll see how we have humanly made royalty this thing magnificent and i'll have the popcorn but listen to verse 9 to 11 and when he came out out of the water immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Heaven being torn open, God breaking into human experience to deliver his people. It's this graphic demonstration that the moment has come for God to usher in his kingdom. The heavens opened. And it says, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove, and he remained on him. And God the Father declared his delight on Jesus, saying, This is my Son, whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. And so these statements in verse 10 and 11 confirm two very important messianic texts from the Old Testament in Psalm 2 verse 7 that says, The Lord said to me, you are my son. So again, prophecy saying that the king is coming. My son is coming. You are my son. Isaiah 42 verse 1 says, I have put my spirit upon him. And so Jesus, in this moment, in the Jordan River, with not a lot of people, was crowned the king of the world. It was his coronation ceremony. So unexpected. But a moment for us to identify with, even to this day. It had to be like that. For you and for me to identify with that moment, even to this day, that ceremony wasn't just a moment in history to stay there. It was eternal, timeless, generational for us to to be changed to this day when we get baptized. That moment when we get baptized, we identify With Jesus. Look at this picture. I was 10 years old. (laughs) But I'll never forget it. Because it's the moment when I came out of the water. God said, This is my son. Welcome into royalty. (laughs) Welcome. I can identify with Jesus. Because that moment wasn't just a moment in history. And we forget about it. He was eternal. So that we can relate with Jesus to this day. For God to proclaim over our lives. And so at his crucifixion, you remember his crucifixion, Jesus was given a crown and a robe by the soldiers. And they mocked him saying, this is the king of the Jews. And they thought that they crowned him the king. But they missed his coronation. They missed his crowning because they did not recognize him. Jesus was already crowned king. And therefore, he could defeat sin and evil and establish a way by which all of us can become part of his kingdom. He died on the cross. But three days later, he rose up. He was raised from the dead. And therefore, he's the only one qualified to save us such an unexpected coronation for us to identify with, which leads me to my last point, an unexpected justification. And so this word, like maybe you could have used a better word or easier word, I could have maybe, um, but justification, this, the whole thing about justification is to understand that Jesus gave his life to be able to save and redeem us. And so if we again think about ancient kings and King Henry was very much the same, you remember that if a king would stand like this and the crowd will roar and they would say, Yeah, kill him, kill him, and they would you know, go like this, and then they would justice is served. And so, very much with King Henry as well, he would he would give justice to people based on emotions. And so when he would Wake in the morning and if he feels good and, you know, it's been a good, good morning so far, he had a great breakfast, people would live. And they would gain justice. But if he woke up with nightmares and stuff, and this is real, you can go and read about it, he would kill people. You know, a few heads would roll. He would die. Uh, really up and down. And that's the whole thing, when, when a king gets crowned they go and sit on the throne and they rule and they hand out justice to people but listen to Jesus verse, verse 13 Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan and I read it again Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan so there was just this beautiful moment where the heavens went open the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. God was speaking, this is my son. He's crowned king of the world. And he got out of the water and he went into the, into the wilderness, into the desert. You're like, what? Shouldn't he go to a throne or something? Not Jesus. The very first thing Jesus did as a king he went into the desert for 40 days. Because he wasn't a political king that came to save a nation. He was a generational king. He's an eternal king that came to, serve, to save hearts to this very day. And so Jesus, Israel spent 40 years wandering in the desert. You can read that story in the, in the Old Testament. But Jesus' 40 days in the desert point to him as the antitype of the failures of Israel that they could not enter the promised land. And so his victory over the devil's temptation in the the desert symbolizes his success in the place of their failures. So Jesus went 40 days into the desert to replace the failures of of his people, saying, I have the victory. Therefore, Isaiah, Old Testament Scripture says, 42 verse 1, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Jesus is the only one qualified to justify us. He's the only one that can free us. He's the only one that can save our human hearts. He's not a king that came to sit on a throne and to rule Israel, and to save Israel from the Romans, and to let it stay for just that moment in history, and then we never think of it again. We speak about Jesus to this day because of the way that he was coming. Jesus did not come to rule on a throne. He came to save and rule our hearts. And when I say our hearts... I mean our whole hearts. When I say our whole hearts, I mean our whole lives. And this is where it gets tricky for us as Christians, right? Because we like to choose. Like, Lord, you can, I'm going to make like compartments and with my finances here, and my children here, and my marriage here, and if you have a relationship, maybe your relationship there, and my hobbies maybe here, Lord, and you can like, you can have like this part, you can rule there, but these ones, keep them close. I just want to still have decisions there. I want to share with you just a a short story. Last year, the beginning of the year, Sammy, our youngest, was very sick. We almost lost him. We almost lost him. And he was in that area where I didn't want to really give to God, you know. Like my children... You know, I'm going to discipline them. I'm going to teach them, you know. And there came that moment where I could do nothing. I couldn't even go into the hospital because of this disease. Oh, it was a tough moment. I came to the end of myself. Don't know what to do. And so I went up a mountain. I built a little altar. I said to the Lord, Lord, I cannot do this anymore. (laughs) Please save him. I'm stepping off the throne of everything. And God came and saved him the very next day. And Sammy is alive because God is the king, not me. Because of what I can do. Because of God. God such a gracious king and when he came he came to be Lord of everything every area of our lives he came to rule and I'm so thankful that I knew him that my mother pointed me to him therefore my children can live and the legacy can continue not because of who I am because of who he is it's a generational king Eternal. Not moments in history. Are you with me? (coughs) Such an unexpected preparation. Coronation. King. Crowning of the king. And a justification. The one who came and redeemed our hearts. An example of how we can live counter And so I want to end off with verse fifteen. And if you can close your eyes as I read this last scripture, Jesus proclaimed this in verse fifteen. Before he started his ministry, and he said, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom is here, the king is here. Repent and believe in this good news tonight I want to let you know that the time is fulfilled you are at the end of yourself you cannot do this life this countercultural life by yourself you cannot but there is good news the king is in the room it wasn't just a moment in history it was eternal for us to relate, to identify, to be redeemed to this very day so that we can follow Him and be messengers of Him to others. Prepare the way the King is coming. And so tonight I want to pray for those saying, I've never asked this King heart and so if you say pray with me I wanna I wanna accept King Jesus as the Lord and the King of my heart don't you just want to raise your hand I want you to pray with me. You can, you can let your hand down, but I want you to, in this moment, if that's you, I want you to put your hand on your heart. I want you to pray this prayer after me. Jesus, I'm inviting you into my heart to rule everything inside of me my whole life. Thank you that you died on the cross and thank you that you were raised three days later and because of that good news to this day today I can accept you as the king of my life thank you Jesus I also want to pray for those of you that is maybe saying I have accepted Jesus but not in every area he's not ruling every area of my life if there's maybe areas that you are struggling with maybe there's you feel anxious or fear or maybe relationships finances suicidal thoughts the king is in the room so I want to ask you to stand if there's areas you just want to put before the king give you a moment speak to him you know him and he knows you so just give those areas to him give that sickness to him give that relationship to him tell him that you've come to the end of yourself there's nothing more that you can do. Thank you, Lord. I want you to see how you just get off the chair the throne just get off the throne it's not yours it's Jesus he's the king I experienced when I prayed for this moment that there's one or two ladies that that's struggling with abuse or that's experiencing abuse and I'm not sure if it's verbal abuse or physical abuse but God is saying that is not for you. That's not my plan for you. I want you to run to me. And so I just want to pray into that Lord. whoever is is experiencing abuse in a relationship or at work or at university or at home, Lord, I pray in this moment that you will come and change the atmosphere. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you will change the situation. I also experienced that there's someone that's struggling with suicidal thoughts, maybe depression, anxiety, fear. Why don't you put those thoughts before the throne of God in this moment? Lord, thank you that you created us. And if we are struggling internally, we can come to the creator that created us so I pray now for this person to place those thoughts before your throne in Jesus name I also pray Lord for relational dysfunctions will you come and help each one Lord that's struggling with certain relationships in their lives I want to pray a last prayer. And this praise is for those that are saying, I want to be a messenger. Not, a full, not like a f- full time in ministry, but God called us when he saved my life. That moment for being a messenger wasn't just for that. It was to this day that we can walk into people's lives and bring change, be a messenger. And if you're saying, I want to be a messenger of Jesus, that when I meet people, I want to bring hope. I want to proclaim that the King is coming and when he steps into the situation, everything will change. If you're saying, that's me, I want you to stand as well. take a moment and say that to the king say Lord I want to be your messenger use me use me Lord Father, thank you that you see us tonight, your people. And I want to commission us, Lord, to be your messengers, to herald the coming of the King, Lord, into people's lives that need you, to make the path straight for the gospel, the good news, Lord, to bring transformation so that we can relate with you, so that people can relate with you, identify with you and be redeemed, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for this word. May we not forget your coming and the way that you have come, Lord, to, to set an example for us to relate with, even to this day, to live a countercultural life. We praise you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.